Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the I, it's my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Hello and welcome to the All-22 Podcast. The All-22 Podcast is designated to discussing all things NFL in relation to the All-22 Fantasy Game. My name is Chris Lombardi, and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto, and we are the co-founders of All-22. Welcome, guys. What's going on? Glad to be Honestly, here. guys, it's such a nice day out that I feel like we should start having this podcast outside. Like, if we had, like, good audio equipment, I'd just have a catch and just talk, talk ball. You know what I'm saying? Sounds like a really good idea until one of us like gets stung by a bee mid episode or something, you know? And yeah, I feel like that would happen to you. Exactly. That's, that's why I said you'd be mid double catching a pass exactly. and you'd get stung by a bee. Getting twice the reps and bam, that's it. Yeah, twice the reps. It's like when he squats heavy and he gets sick every time afterward. Yeah. It's, yeah. It just happens. One day that's going to be on your tombstone, Ray. Twice the reps. That's it. Just push your body to the <laughs> limit, you know? And then it gets yeah. sick, and then you recover, and then you just do it all over again. So what's new, guys? Anything new? No, man. NFL news has been dead. This is like, what the hell? Just counting down the days for the uh, for the draft. Luckily, we have some baseball to hold us over. But, I mean, I don't know. I fall asleep in the middle six innings every time. So it's like <laughs> I need something else. I, I, think, I think even the NFL news that, that comes out that we'll get into – is a byproduct of everybody being bored because we've beaten everything to death already and we're just waiting for the draft to actually arrive now. So even the news is just like, hey, I'm bored. Let's make this, let's make this news. Well, I've been filling my time by watching the show. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, Ted Lasso. It is so good. It is so good. I didn't have no, it's the best show. Best show. Have you seen it? Yeah, so, I've told you to get Apple TV so, a thousand times. So Are you like, kidding wait, me? What? That, was a, that was a joke, right? That was a joke. Yeah, I told Ray to play along, but I couldn't yeah. hold my face long enough. Okay. <laughs> so I don't watch TV. So, like, I don't watch many shows or anything, right? Usually it's just live sports or, you know, whatever. I don't get into, like, shows. But if Chris recommends Ted Lasso, I, I'll probably watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's inspirational. Just a feel-good show. I, I highly recommend it. People are getting a really good insight into the dynamic of our working <laughs> environment, you know? Yeah. If Chris recommends it, I'll watch it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's, pre- oh, that's pretty good. I'm getting, like, worked up here. And, like, my news of the day already has me, like, pretty worked up. So, like, uh, yeah, you guys are just adding to it. Let's, let's pump the brakes. I know we wanted to just have a moment, pay our respects to Dwayne Haskins and his family. Just, um, you know, we were all Dwayne Haskins fans. I actually drafted him in a dynasty league because I was – I really liked him at Ohio State. Um, you know, it was it was just horrible to to see that happen the other morning. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to say anything. It's crazy. The older you get, you realize the more fragile this thing is. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, super sad. I remember the Giants were scouting him pretty heavily and kind of hoping that we would we would land with Dwayne Haskins because he seemed like such a such a great person. Um, you know, obviously, seemed like a good football player at Ohio State, which burned Ray a few times. Um, but yeah, really super sad. Yeah, much too soon. Um, yeah, it's just it's just tragic all around. Um, incredibly sad. Gone much too young. So you know, prayers to his family and you know all those who grieve him because you know he touched a lot of lives for sure. So it's just it's really sad to see. Really looking forward to him getting some opportunity in Pittsburgh. I felt like, yes, obviously they, they got Trubisky in there, but I thought he would have gotten a fair look. Um, so I was really excited for him. But, yeah, this is really, really sad. Yeah, it was nice seeing a lot of his uh, former Ohio State teammates, his former um, Redskins teammates, just like talking about him and what he meant to them. And I thought that was pretty cool. So definitely shows you a side of him that we didn't obviously get to see. So, yeah. But, all right, let's – Let's pick it back up. 
Bobby, you have the you have the topic of the day, so I'm going to pass it to you. Yeah, I got a topic of the day, and it really pisses me off that we even have to talk about this. Okay, Ray touched on it before, and it's so clear that this is just news because there's no other news. Okay, but everybody's talking now about Trayvon Walker potentially being in the conversation of the first overall pick. And I got to be honest, if I'm a Jags fan, and if that did happen. Turning the draft off, and I'm getting blackout drunk for the rest of the night. Because <laughs> are, are are you kidding drinking, me? Like you drinking? Um, I'm drinking bourbon, dude. Flush it down with some brown. You know what I'm saying? Some whistle pig. <laughs> yeah, dude, some whistle pig. Um, I got some new. Uh, forget what it's. It's like smoke something, smoke wagon from Las Vegas. It's really good. Smoke wagon um, or whistle pig? If you're listening, we can do some sponsors. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll drink there on the podcast. That'd be cool. Sorry, continue, continue. Yeah, anyway, super worked up about that. Obviously, he's got raw athleticism, but you look at his numbers and compare it to Aiden Hutchinson, and like it's just so obvious that this is not a real story. It's just we're at a dead time here. It's quiet, and it's just something to talk about. The NFL does such a good job of staying on front-page news and then you see something like this, and it's like, this is, this is what you're giving us? This is it? I, I think, so yeah, it's two things, right? It's like, I, I, think, I think there's no news, right? And it's, it's lying season, right? It's, you know, what, two weeks before the draft. So, you know, you're trying to throw smoke screens out there, even though they, it, it's kind of pointless, all right? Everyone in the league knows what everyone else in the league needs. Um, and, and, you know, and you're picking first anyway. So, like, there's no one... There's no one to really fake out, but I think it's also a product of there is no, I mean, the Jags already have the quarterback, but there's no Miles Garrett in this draft, right? Even Chase Young, you know, if Chase Young was in this class, he'd, he'd be the top edge guy for sure. There's not that generational talent. And, you know, Hutchinson is really good. Don't get me wrong. He's a, he's a phenomenal player and prospect, but he's not the generational type, which gets thrown around too much. But he's not that player. He's not Garrett. He's not young. I, I'm not even sure he's a Bosa, right? But so you have people start looking around and saying, well, you know, Trayvon Walker, he's, he's got good size and he's got good length, right? He doesn't have like those short arms like Hutchinson does. So, oh, there's some upside here. And then, you know, you kind of just get the hype train rolling and it just, it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And it's, it's silly, right? I mean, you turn on the tape. Walker's good, good athlete. You know, you, you see the size and, and a really good linear athlete, pretty explosive. But, I mean, he's not even close to the same level of a pass rusher as Hutchinson is. And it's also the other factor in this is, hey, if you're looking for that uber-athletic, you know, bendy ceiling, you know, high-ceiling edge rusher here, you have Kayvon Thibodeau there, but you've had this, nonsense narrative about oh well he's focused on his branding and you know there might be some attitude concerns there so then you just kind of keep going down the list to get to Trayvon Walker who's just clearly not at that level and it's just yeah it's it's like this nonsensical and and it's not that we're bashing Trayvon Walker right I think he's, he's clearly a first round type player you know a top 15 guy but you know to to talk about him number one overall at this point it's just just sounds like people just feeling feeling hot air you know, to, to say that the, they're doing that to like mess with other teams seems crazy to me, because I think if you don't, you don't take Hutch, Detroit's going to run that card up and take Hutchinson. And then the other teams that like might want the first pick probably want a quarterback. It's not like they want Trayvon Walker. So like, who, who are they faking out with this? Like, that's what I've been trying to rack my brain with. Um, I thought it was interesting that Austin Gale made a comparison today. Trayvon Walker to like a raw Miles Garrett. And I, like, I don't know if I necessarily see it, but if that's what other, if that's what teams are seeing, then maybe there is some truth behind it, but I wanted to throw out some numbers. So nine sacks and 25 hurries, in three years versus Hutchinson's 19 sacks and 80 hurries from a production standpoint, you just can't even make this up. A 12% pass rush win rate with, with Trayvon Walker compared to a 24% with Aiden Hutchinson. Are you kidding? And, and the thing that, that drives me nuts is, like, he played at Georgia, but he played some even, – even when he went against lesser talent, he's still grading pretty mediocre. 
I, I just, I don't, I don't see that. So let me be devil's advocate, advocate for just like half a second, even though I don't believe this. Is there an argument to be made that what he was asked to do isn't apples to apples with other edge rushers because of what that Georgia defense had? And because of that, if you put him in that situation, maybe there is production that he would have had. Could that really exist? Sure, but you just said maybe. Like that, that's, that's, that maybe is such a huge risk. And you're, you're drafting number one overall. Do you really want to take that risk of getting another Caleb on Jason? No. I'm, I want to get as close to a sure thing as I possibly can, one, one overall. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, it's I, – I would, I would maybe entertain that argument a bit more if we're talking about someone like Jordan Davis, right, saying, okay, well, he's got all these stud guys around him, right? Devontae Wyatt, that's the interior pass rusher, right? You have Trayvon Walker – you have Jalen Carter, who's also just a freak. He's coming out in next year's class. You know, those are the guys who can get after the quarterback. So you only ask Jordan Davis to do what he does best. Yeah, maybe you ask Trayvon Walker to do, you know, a few things, a few more things as an all-around player because he's pretty athletic and maybe drop his coverage a little bit despite his, you know, size, almost 270 pounds or whatever it is. But make no mistake about it, his primary role was to rush the passer and be a disruptive edge player. And, you know, again, it's, it's not that there's no athleticism or upside there. It's if we're talking number one overall, it's, you know, he just doesn't check those boxes. It, it, it would definitely be a reach. 67.7 pass rush grade compared to 93 for Hutch. And I think the other thing that we haven't touched on, and I don't, I don't really know much about, Trayvon Walker off the field, but Hutchinson's leadership has been like, you know, everybody knows about it, right? It's been uh, screamed from the mountains that he's the leader of that team and he's, you know, going to be the leader of the NFL team that takes him. Like, I think that just adds another layer to this that we haven't even touched on. He's a, he's a fiery player, man. Like, and that's, that's, that's huge. I mean, again, growing up a Giants fan, seeing the value of somebody like Michael Strahan, who's, you know, you can't you can't even imagine a um a better culture guy than that i think that's that's huge getting that energy on your defense especially for a team like the jacks who have struggled so much you know it's a franchise that you kind of look at and you kind of feel bad for because even when they're good they can't sustain it and more often than not they're just not good you know how, how often in our lifetimes we're you know 28 29 30 years old have we seen the jacks pick top 10 top 5 whatever it is it's just one of those teams you kind of pull for. And if you're taking risks like that at number one, you're going to keep drafting in the top five. Yeah, I think it's just chasing ceiling. And again, having that whole, yes, you're chasing ceiling, but you're also annoyed with, you know, Kayvon's attitude off the field or his focus on branding or whatever. He's not the quintessential, just sort of boring football guy that a lot of these front office types want. Um, but, you know, to, to chase that at, you know, to, to go down to Trayvon Walker to chase that, I think is, uh, is definitely a reach. I mean, if you want to chase ceiling, then you know what? You drafted a franchise quarterback last year, or so you believe, right? Go ahead and chase the ceiling of someone like Evan Neal or my pet cat, Akeem Kwanu. I mean, you know, it's not like you're so stacked on the offensive line that you can't, you know, that you can't stand to protect your franchise guy and put better pieces around him, right? I mean, I think, I think we saw that, you know, over the last few years anyway, that any quarterback could, could use, you know, a strong offensive line up front, especially in their younger years to help them develop and really get accustomed to the game. So it's not like, you know, Jawan Taylor or, I don't know, Greg Robinson is stopping me, or sorry, Cam Robinson is stopping me from, you know, addressing, you know, that offensive tackle position if I think, a high ceiling franchise type guy is available to me at that position. So if you want to sit there and go, Oh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson has short arms and, you know, he's not that, you know, Uber talented, you know, chase young type pass rusher, then okay, fine. But why stoop down to a Trayvon Walker at that same position when you could just get a franchise guy at another premium position on the other side of the ball that helps your young quarterback. I agree with you, Ray. I, if, if, if I'm the Jag, if I'm a Jags fan, I'm less angry if they take a risk or if they, if one of those uh, tackles jumps up the board. But yeah, for an edge rusher, I just don't. I don't know. 
I don't think the risk is worth that reward. And one last thing too on this class, this class is deep at edge, right? Maybe you don't have a Miles Garrett, but there's a lot of top 40 type players in this class. You go down the list, whether it's Arnold Epikete, uh, you know, Sam Williams. I mean, there's, there's a lot of edge players in that sort of 25 to 40 range where you can get one at the top of the second round as a quality player to start for you right away um, that, you know, presents some upside for you too. So, uh, you know, if you want to play the draft like that, go for it. Yeah, if you want if you want athletic guys with limited production, do that in the second round. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I don't I don't really have much more to add. Do you guys have anything else on this? No, I hate talking about this. It's just it's it's fake news. Let's move on. Okay. Well, before we move on, Bobby gave me a compliment, and it wasn't verbal, but I'm like really excited right now. Ray, did you did you spot it? If it was nonverbal, I did not spot it. I'm not I'm not really look, focused on his. Yeah. Look, look, look over his shoulder. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude. Loving that. Um, that's probably like the oldest picture I have. <laughs> the, the frame is shot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's me and Chris playing high school football. Love that, man. Definitely not a uh, Notre Dame fan, but we had Notre Dame jerseys. Really okay. cool. Love seeing that. Changed the yeah, uniforms man, I, after I left the school that, that year. So glad yeah, I never had to wear Notre Dame when you were there. Uniform. Yeah. The, the AD was like, let's just make Ray look dumb. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um. I see all these guys on NFL Network. They have like these sick backgrounds and stuff. And like, we got to keep up, guys. You know, we got to keep up. Yeah, I have like two feet by two feet to work with here. So like, a couple of years from now, I'll get some space and I'll I'll have some sick background for you guys. Yeah. We'll get a sponsor or two, and yeah, we'll we'll do it up. That's yeah, it. like a Atomic Rhino banner in the background or something like that. Atomic Rhino and Whistle Pig. I'll have both right here. <laughs> We rip a rip a salt, rip a shout, and then we start the podcast. <laughs> That'd be some show. That'd be pretty cool. All right, guys. So last week we started posting about the top five scores from twenty twenty one at each position. Today I wanted to give us an opportunity to run through those a little bit, discuss kind of our thoughts on it, and then also just have some fun conversation. Uh, so we're gonna do offense today. What were you gonna say, Bobby? No, I do. I do think some of them need some context for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree. But let's start with quarterback. So, quarterback. We'll share a graphic. We had Joe Burrow finishing number one in just his sophomore season. Tom Brady right behind him. Herbert under him, and then Cousins and Tannehill. So, I thought we would start the conversation maybe by talking about the outliers that people might have something to say about. Right? Cousins and Tannehill being on this list. How did they get there, guys? Because they're consistent, and Ray hates Kirk Cousins, but like, I still think you win with Kirk Cousins, and I think this proves it. He's always there, and he's always grading well. Just don't ask him to do more than, you know, what the offense requires him to do. Anything outside of structure, and that's where things go haywire. But with a good system in place where, you know, the offense stays on script, on schedule, and he just executes you know, the offense is needed. Yeah, I think he does that at a high level. I think what's missing from his game that you see from someone like a Burrow, and even though he's not on this list, I'm sure we'll be talking about Mahomes and Josh Allen and so forth, is that extra layer of, okay, when things break down, you know, and there's a play to be made, can he make that play outside of structure above and beyond the play script? I think that's what's missing Kirk Cousins' game. But for sure, when when things are on script, yeah. He, he's very consistent in his execution. So I can't take that away from him. I think what we'll see over the next few years is guys like Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, and Allen fluctuate on this list, whether they're all on it or a few of them are, and every year it might be different. But that'll probably happen for the first maybe five, six, seven years of their career. And that's why you see a Kirk Cousins and a Ryan Tannehill on here, because you see more consistent play even if it is like consistently like slightly above average, but not great play from those guys, as opposed to the young guys, I think. So Josh Allen actually finished six on this list. And the reason he didn't finish higher is because those first few weeks of the season, he struggled. Mahomes, you know, Mahomes had a good year, but it probably was his worst year that we've seen. Defenses started to figure out what they were doing. um, And that really affected his play. I think another name that is missing from this list that people will ask about is Aaron Rodgers. And 
Aaron Rodgers actually would have finished third on this list had he not missed two weeks due to injury. So if you average out like what he did, the games he did play in and how he performed and add those back in those other two games, he would have finished third on this list. Yeah, I think I think another guy that kind of gets a little uh, he gets hurt by this list or should be somewhere we should have some context around him would be Russell Wilson. First eight weeks of the season, he was off the charts, and then somewhere around that time, I don't know if it was week eight, he what was it break his thumb or broke it, broke a couple of fingers, whatever it was, and then you start to see his grades dip. And it's interesting to see that almost every year he starts the season like that, injury or not. And then his grades start to dip towards the uh, the end of the season, but that's a good point. Yeah, I, I definitely think this list would look a little different if it was, um, you know, points per game rather than points at the end of the season. I think that's probably what threw some people off who commented some, uh, you know, not so nice things when we posted this. But yeah, that, that's a good point. I think Russell Wilson. We talked about it on some of our social. He graded it over a ninety in PFF grading two this, two seasons prior to this. So he has that high-end upside, and now he's going to be in a situation on the Broncos with deeper a deeper weapon pool, better offensive line, even a better defense. So I'm excited to see what, where he ends up on this list next year. He'll be on there. He'll be on there. My favorite quarterback, by the way. I think gonna... it's interesting. Yeah, just to chime in here, talking about Pat Mahomes, right, he – Defense has kind of adjusted a bit, right, as far as, you know, switching some more too high looks, taking away some of those deep passes that people know and love, right? And, of course, when when you're talking about the deep passing game, you know, that can tend to fluctuate a little bit year to year. I'm curious to see which of the other young quarterbacks have to face that same sort of adjustment period early on in their careers, right? I think – I don't think anyone doubts that Mahomes, you know, can make the adjustments in his game and still be a very high level performer moving forward, right? I don't think that's in, in question at all. But will someone like a, a Justin Herbert face that same sort of, you know, adjustment period where defenses figure him out just a little bit and and not that he he goes to, you know, the ranks of mediocre quarterbacks or anything, but that he does have to, you know, sort of take his game to that next level and make some adjustments as defenses have more film on him as he's got more time in the league and so forth. Um you know, it wouldn't shock me if, if someone like that, you know, Herbert goes from maybe three to, you know, eight or 10, you know, next season. Not that he's still not a very highly valued franchise player or quarterback in, in this game. But, you know, there may be some course correction there, you know, just looking ahead to next season. How, how many years was Mahomes in the league before Herbert? Two? I think three. Was it that much? Yeah, maybe. Uh, he's been in the league a while now. Because I, um, I think you're right, but I think it might also be because, right, we saw Mahomes get paid. He now has a huge cap hit against his team, and he starts to lose resources. I think Herbert, still being on a rookie contract, is benefiting from that, having that elite talent around him. But in two years when they have to pay him, or in a year when they have to pay him, I don't know, quarterbacks are getting paid so soon. Uh, will he lose the Keenan Allen and the Mike Williams? Will those guys disappear? And he's going to have to do it with some second-class players. I, it's, it's a it's a possibility. Um, I think the adjustment might even happen before then. I mean, I know Keenan Allen like, getting up and I don't know. It feels like he's been twenty-eight or twenty-nine years old for like four years now. <laughs> for some reason, though, he just never actually turns thirty. Uh, but maybe he is already. But that that is another factor, right? Maybe losing losing Keenan Allen. So maybe even before that. Um, you know, that sort of cap hit actually takes effect because I think we all anticipate he's going to get a long-term deal. You may see some of that reshuffling on the offensive, you know, side of the ball for San Diego. Oh, I almost said San Diego uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers there that, you know, may cause his, you know, grades or situation just to dip just, just a tad. You know, again, I'm certainly not dropping him a whole tier in my rankings or anything like that or really sort of fading how I view him in the long-term, but you know, it's, I think it's certainly feasible that he may not be the, you know, a top three quarterback, you know, in the next year or maybe two years from now before he sort of levels off in a sense to that consistent, you know, top five, top six level for the remainder of his career. Yeah. I think, I think before last season, right, there's at least two names on that list that we wouldn't expect to be there. 
being Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill. You guys have any like dark horse guy that you could see making this list next year? Obviously not a guy like Mahomes or Wilson or Rogers, but is there somebody else like, you know, Derek Carr or somebody like that? Kyle, Kyla Murray. I'll, I'll, uh, so based on nothing but my pre-draft evaluation, right. And there's a new coach in, in there and, you know, a prop, you know, he's very good for the culture of the, of the locker room and so forth. And just sort of getting that entire organization and team back on track. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Trevor Lawrence maybe isn't top five. Um, but I, I think for sure he can finish top 10, top eight, um, you know, with just that normal rookie ascension, you know, getting used to the NFL. Uh, they definitely overpaid for, for receivers on that side of the ball in free agency, but at least it's, you know, at least it's something, right? At least he's got guys to throw to. Um, so I'm not saying top five, but I definitely see an ascension from Trevor Lawrence, even if it's just from my pre-draft evaluation, which can be stubbornly hard to shake. Can't wait to save that clip because yeah. that's going to be an awful one. He's going to really regret saying that. I'm going to two offensive systems in two years. That, that's good for him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to say Mac Jones. Trust in the tape. I think I think okay. Mac Jones is a really safe bet. Kind of the same reason that Cousins and Tannehill are on there. He does the little things really well. He's super consistent. Doesn't have the high end to his game that the other guys do. But I could see him slipping onto this list. Cool. Chris is scared to take risks. All right, fair enough. I, I, I really want to say Daniel Jones so bad. Because remember, like, there was the first four games last year where he actually, he actually was on this list. Mm-hmm. And then he started to get hurt. Everybody started to get hurt around him. I just don't trust it. My answer, unfortunately, would be either Dak or Jalen Hurts. I could see one of those two guys on this list easily. Dak, another year with Mike McCarthy. Jalen Hurts, you know, another another year with Sirianni. That offensive line's insane. He's got a really good situation. I think he's going to limit those turnover-worthy plays, stuff like that. Um, I could see – I'd actually probably go with Jalen Jalen Hurts here for sure. Talk about saving clips. Okay. <laughs> I bet you Jalen Hurts grades – well above Trevor Lawrence. He, he may. He may. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm just the upside. I, I He may grade. I think it's more likely that Jalen Hurts grades higher than than Trevor Lawrence next season. But if I had to bet on someone ascending to top five status, I think there's the, the potential is higher with Trevor Lawrence. That's why I'm taking it. Okay. I think the clip that we saved for you, is going to sound 10 times worse than the clip that we saved for me. I agree. Just being honest. I, I, I got everything from last week already stored. It, it's okay. Fine. None of us. None, none of us. aboard the Jalen Hurst train. Go for it. I mean, no, that's fine. You, you do you. Dude, I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. None of us mentioned Lamar, but I thought it would be interesting to mention Lamar because he's not somebody I would feel confident saying right now. But if after the draft, they come away with a Tyler Linderbaum or Char- Charles Cross, I think I would change my answer and maybe say Lamar. So I think it's dark horse though. Yeah. Put him in that category. I think so. He, he didn't grade particularly well last year. I think the year before that too, it wasn't like, it was good, but it wasn't top five status. The year before that, he brought Ray from last place to nearly first place. True. He did. That also was a product of me not having 18 players on the injured reserve. Um, but I did have, so I thought about Lamar, but I had him, if we were asked this question 12 months ago, or even 24 months ago, that was my guy to ascend onto this list. And both years he's fallen short. So now I'm in the, you have to show me category before I mention your name again. Okay. So we, that was a pretty fun question. Do we want another one centered around quarterbacks or should we move on to the next position? Let's move on. Okay. We're good. So we're going to jump into wide receiver and the way that I'm, kind of discussing this is based on their their weight. So that's why quarterback has the highest weight on the offense versus number two. Uh, one thing about the receiver list that I think most people probably noticed is that it's not super far off than what they would expect from a traditional fantasy platform. And I think the reason behind that is because so much of what a receiver is asked to do is about him running routes and catching the ball. So if he does that well, it'll result in statistical success, but it'll also result in you know, PFF, a high PFF grade in all 22 success. That's why you're seeing Cooper Cup at the top. You see Jefferson, Adams, Diggs, and Samuel. It's all familiar names. It's not like there's some random guy in there that 
only had 400 receiving yards last year. Um, so I think that's something that should resonate well with most of you. But guys, what anything else to add to like how the receivers were structured here? Not real. I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's it's what you'd expect to see from a list of the top receivers in today's game. Um, obviously, we account for more than just their receiving stats and so forth, but it aligns closely with what you would expect. Um, I don't know if we want to dive deeper into specific players on this list because I got, I certainly have a take, but um, as it relates to what you'd expect to see from the top receivers in all 22, it's going to closely align with what you'd expect just in general from, from the actual game. The only, the only receiver I wanted to make sure to point out is, I mean, we have to talk about Cooper Cup for like half a second. He had an absolutely historic season. He had eight weeks that graded over, or sorry, he had 10 weeks that graded over an 80. He was the 13th lowest, he had the 13th lowest drop rate out of all the receivers in the NFL with 22 more receptions than anybody else. So super high end production with very little flaw, which is just incredible. And then obviously he led the, the league in yards and touchdowns. Yeah, he, he's absolutely phenomenal. And now you're adding Allen Robinson to that offense, which is just ridiculous. It's funny, our, our friend Joey from the pocket posted something where uh, somebody was calling Cooper Cup slot boy. <laughs> like, you know, I think it's Devonta Adams gets slant boy or whatever, or Michael mm -hmm. Thomas, whatever it is. But somebody called Cooper Cup slot boy. I'm like, are you watching the same guy everybody else is watching? Yeah, he's every So boy. far from that. <laughs> He'll take that comment all the way to a Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I think you're definitely seeing him get more and more comfortable there. Um, and I think I think he makes this list for the next few years, for sure. Okay, so the combo point for you guys. If you had to take any three receivers you wanted under the age of 27, which three guys are you taking today? And it's not like back and forth. You guys could have the same guys, but who are your top three? Who's one? Who's two? Who's three? You want to go first, Bobby? Go ahead. Um, absolutely, Jamar Chase, number one. I think he's on this list next year, no doubt, as long as he stays healthy. Um, C.D. Lamb, same thing. That's my boy right there. Um, that third guy, I don't know, man. That's that's tough. Like Hot take, really love Jameson Williams. I could see him being a guy that you want, um, that you could see on this list for the next few years. I don't know. I think I'll lock in those three. Feel, feel good about that. So we have the same we have the same number one, right? I think it's it's clearly Chase. I have Justin Jefferson as as the second guy. I think he's just proven to be that dude. Obviously, he's performed you know really well this past season. I don't think he's slowing down at all. Um, you know, I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. So he'd definitely be my my number two. Uh, for the third guy, I kind of waffled back and forth a little bit. Um, between Jalen Waddle and CeeDee Lamb. Um, I think for CeeDee Lamb, I think no question he's got the ability to be a top three guy on this list. But I, I really don't trust that offense. Uh, and just, you know, are they going to use him to, to the best of their ability? I think we've, we saw some of that play out with, with Amari Cooper already in, in not really using him as well as they could have and should have. They're, they're, they're pretty stubborn over there. Kellen Moore is pretty stubborn about his system and then just plugging in the pieces. And as opposed to, hey, let's get our best guy the ball as much as we can in situations that use him as, you know, that, that accentuate his strengths. That's really not what, what he's doing over there in Dallas. And I think CD could absolutely be that guy if he's put in a lot of situations in space with, with yak opportunities and such. I just have to see more from that offense before I go ahead and, and pull the trigger and say he's my top three guy. And so I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle. I just... You know, I, I, I like, you know, call me a McDaniel fan or whatever. Um, but but I love what he showed his, his first year. I loved his ability. I loved him coming out of the draft. Um, I, I think he could definitely be, you know, a top three player for, you know, for seven years or so um, for, for a pretty long time. So I would have Jalen Waddle in that three slash four range and then maybe someone like Jerry Judy just outside of that. Um, depending on, you know, how he does this year with, with an actual quarterback throwing him the football now. Um, but I also want to throw a cautionary sort of you know, tale here and focus on Debo Samuel a little bit. 
Nobody said him. It caught me off guard. Yeah. So I'm going to take maybe the opposite of what a lot of people are thinking. I think up to this point, and especially this past season, as we've all seen, I think Debo is used perfectly. I think Shanahan pressed all the right buttons there. I think every single one of Debo's strengths you just saw put in, you know, just maximized, right? With the way the, you know, the plays were called, the situations that, you know, that, uh, you know, he was using in, in space or even on handoffs and sweeps and so forth. I think just the situational play calling was absolutely perfect. Now we've had some, you know, some rumors and word come out about him wanting a big contract extension. And, you know, it could just be negotiating as far as, you know, the Niners saying, hey, we don't want to pay that much and, and so on and so forth. But I think going back to his draft year, right, Debo was not this, you know, dynamic prospect that could, you know, just beat any coverage or and, and you know, really just be this explosive just sort of weapon that really fits in any offense. I think, you know, he's not that guy. You can't ask him to just line up at Xerox and, and, you know, run a corner route and do the toe drag swag and really just separate from man coverage and just be that all around receiving threat that downfield. He's more of that, you know, big guy that's super hard to bring down, um, can get a lot of, you know, yards after the catch or with the ball in his hands, which Shanahan played perfectly. If he leaves that situation, can another coach or another offense use him as well as he's been used to date? And if so, if you're not going to ask him to do that, or if you're going to ask him to do more than that, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say he's definitely going to be able to do it and be that guy because he really wasn't that guy. And I think he just landed in the perfect situation. And it's been a phenomenal coaching job by Shanahan to use him the way he does. And that's not to take anything away from Debo. It's just, it's the role he was given and the role he's perfected. But if he leaves you know, San Francisco there, I'm not sure he's a top guy anymore. I think the difference between Debo Samuel and Corderell Patterson is Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> I think the difference between those two careers is Kyle Shanahan. And I see him rocking the boat now out in San Fran. It's like, dude, take what they're giving you and stay there. I think that's the best thing for him. Yeah, I agree with those takes. I think if I had to be the tiebreaker between CeeDee Lamb and Waddle, I'm going to Lamb because of what we said earlier and that production matters in wide receiver grading. And I think Lamb's going to get more opportunity than Waddle, and that's why he ends up being a higher-graded player, in my opinion. I think the other thing I wanted to touch on is why Jamar Chase wasn't on this list. And, you know, we actually used it in our sales pitch because um, he made some bad plays. Like, as productive as he was and as many big explosive plays as he made, he made a lot of mistakes, which is something that rookies do. Uh, so I wouldn't say that that's something that's going to last throughout his career, but it is something that affected his grade mightily uh, in 2021. Yeah. I hate my list now, just so you guys know, after listening to you guys. <laughs> I thought we were going to have, like, fun and pick a rookie, like, with the third one. But, um, yeah, my list sucks. It's just a neutral third party. You, you, yeah. I liked it. I liked it. I'm not, I'm not going to cut it. I'll stand by I'll stand by it, you know. As much as it stinks, I'll stand by it. I thought I was lighting a match with the Debo Samuel take, but – Maybe you guys do know something about football, I guess. I don't know. Oh, man. All right. We have to tackle. So tackle is the third highest weighted position on offense. Uh, it's probably the one we're most excited to bring to this game because it doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, and it's a huge part about a team success in the NFL. So I was actually going to ask Bobby to talk a little bit about, like, New York football and why that matters, why this position matters. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen my team draft. Draft and sign turnstile after turnstile on the offensive line, specifically at tackle. Um, again, kind of going back to what we were just talking about with Daniel Jones, he wasn't on, you know, started off the season pretty strong, and then you see Andrew Thomas start to get 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 hurt and play hurt or sit out games, and no coincidence that's around the time that Daniel Jones kind of took a nosedive um, throughout the season. And it's funny because we look at that top five list and you see two guys from the Bucks, right? Two guys from the Bucks coming back this year. And guess who else is coming back this year? Tom Brady. You think he'd be coming back if those guys weren't there? <laughs> no. Um, I, think it's, I think it makes a huge difference. Um, I think we'll see – I said it on Twitter too. I think we'll see Andrew Thomas on this list for 
and I exaggerate a little bit. I said for the next ten seasons, but I do think he'll be he'll be on that list as long as he stays healthy. But were there any yeah. surprises to you guys with who actually ended up making this list? Colton Miller. I I was surprised Colton Miller was as high as he was, but he's gotten better every year in the league, for sure. He's definitely improved from a guy who coming out just didn't just wasn't powerful with his hands, right? He was just kind of an athlete, get in the way guy. And he's definitely developed, um, you know, top five. I wouldn't have guessed it before the season, but, um, you know, I'm not terribly surprised given his improvements. Um, I think Charles Leno, for sure. I mean, I just recall him with it just with the Bears and that line was just terrible, I guess. And I don't know, just surprised to see him top five. Again, not, not a terrible player or anything like that. Definitely consistent and so forth, but um, definitely high, you know, a high ranking for him. Um, I also, I, I think it's interesting too, to see two, two Tampa Bay tackles up there in the top three. I, and, and it could be nothing. I could be looking way, way too deep into it, but prior to Brady's arrival, Donovan Smith kind of struggled a little bit, right? He had some ups and downs. He had some really high highs, had some low lows. And coming into the league, one of the weaknesses I saw in Tristan Wirth's game was he could get fooled um, by, by different stunts and games up front by, by opposing defenses. He wasn't the quickest to pass off rushers to the inside and pick up, you know, looping defenders. Um, you know, coming from his inside or, or to the outside, you know, from, you know, slot blitzes or whatever. And I think having someone like Brady, especially early on in his career, has really helped as Brady, you know, obviously, as we all know, can just be a wizard and call and identify all those different fronts and, and blitzes and schemes and coverages pre-snap. And I think that's allowed worse to just just play and, and not have to think about it and make it easy for him too. That's not to say that when Brady's gone, Wirfs is going down the list or anything. I think, you know, at this point now he's, he's coming into his own, he's a vet and so forth. But I think it, it, it definitely helps his development to have Tom Brady as, as he, you know, basically has been a plug and play starter. Bobby, Bobby said, Andrew Thomas, Ray, who do you think makes this list next year or the year after? I mean, it's, it's the lowest hanging fruit of all is Rashawn Slater. I think he's, yeah, for sure going to be that guy. Um, I, I don't think Thomas is a bad name at all. I think he's definitely rising. I think he became a bit of a, a punchline early on because you had the early success of a guy like Works in that class, and and the Giants were were picking first. Um, and Thomas was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's definitely improved. I think he's continuing to to ascend for sure. Um, I just like Slater better. That, that, I would have thought. I would have thought you were going to go Jordan Mailata for sure. I've I've got a lot of my lot of shares, like him a lot too. But Slater's Slater's my guy. That that's yeah. my pet cat last year, so I'm just just riding him through. If if I'm being straight and I, and I'm not you know talking like a, like a Giants fan, my answer is is my lot. I think he's the safest bet to say that he'd be top five next year for sure. Okay. Well, I think you know another thing I wanted to point out with this exercise is just that like we heard so much rumblings last year about Cooper Cup potentially not just being Super Bowl MVP, but being like the season MVP because of what he did. We didn't hear that at all about Trent Williams. And I think it's very fair to argue that Trent Williams' performance was close, if not above what Cooper, excuse me, what Cooper Cup did. So like part of what I want from this game is for the fantasy community to start opening their mouths about something other than like receivers, right? Or running backs. Like I want to hear somebody fighting for Trent Williams to be MVP uh, or at least offensive player of the year. So, like, personally, think, that's one of my goals. I think Ray and I can endorse that. You could say we. We. You could say we. Okay. Yeah. We absolutely yeah. want that. Beautiful. Um, I, think that's, I think that's BS. I mean, you, you look at, you look at um, the positional value of a receiver and the positional value of a, a tackle, and it's pretty, pretty similar, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I absolutely think he should have been in that conversation. You're right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're not – go ahead. I was going to say, it's a lot harder to find a big guy that, that moves that well as opposed to a smaller guy that moves that well, talking tackle versus receiver. Well, we're working He's on so that. so much fun. We're working on that, right, Ray? <laughs> we have a little project going in the background, the three of us. We're going to throw out some positional scarcity information pretty soon. Uh, but go. we are running a little short on time, so I'm going to skip the tackle exercise since we had a good conversation. And we're going to jump into guard. And the thing I wanted to put guard position is just that, like – just like the tackle position had two bucks, 
we're seeing two Browns on this list. And we also know that the Browns had one of the top centers in the NFL last year. They had some of the top tackles in the NFL last year. So, like, just how unfair was this Browns offensive line? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, and it's funny, too, because you just saw Wyatt Taylor get, get paid. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the beginning of, of, of that trend. So last week when we had this, we had a conversation talking about positions that are going to be increasing in value over the next few years. And I would absolutely put guard in that, in that conversation for sure. They had Petonio with 10 weeks finishing over an 80. His PFF grade was well over a 90. And then you have Teller with something similar, right? He had, I think, four weeks with a grade over an 80. So just like, it's incredible for them, like, you got to feel really excited about Deshaun Watson, but like I'm focusing on those guys. Like I want to praise their success too. And I think it's, it's so exciting what they've done there. And considering that they're keeping both those guys for the foreseeable future, I, th- I think it bodes really well for their offensive line. Yeah. It goes well for the offensive line. Deshaun Watson, like obviously is a freak athlete, but now, you know, he did take it. He did have a year off and now probably another six weeks. So if you got to knock the cobwebs off. There's no two better guards in the league to do that behind, you know? Yep. And, and if Will takes a step, you know, a step up on the outside there too, that, that has the makings of a really good offensive line, both for the run and the pass. Um, so definitely a, a good situation there for, for Deshaun and the running backs in that offense too. So I'm going to curveball at you. Um, we had an exercise plan for the guard position, but I'm going to do a different one because Bobby was talking about rookies before. We haven't spoken a lot about rookies is there a rookie guard, somebody that's projecting as a guard, not somebody that you would move to guard, that you think will make this list in the next, say, three years? I'll let you go first on this one, Ray. Oh, it's, 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 for me, it's Kenyon Green, for sure. I think he's not being talked about highly enough heading into the, you know, the draft later this month. Um, you know, he, had a, he had a weird combine. I felt people were expecting him to probably test a little bit better than he did. But, I mean, he's, he put out a tape. He's a, he's played every position on the offensive line throughout his college career. But, um, I mean, he checks every box for me. He's got great size, flexible, good power, good movement skills. Uh, he really does it all. Um, so I think people should be talking about him a lot more. And I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I think he's my number one interior offensive lineman in the entire draft class above a Tyler Linderbaum. So I don't that know is, if that's a hot take or not. But That is a hot take. That is a hot take. Right, You're drinking the whistle pig before this? Jesus, dude. I'm just, just watching the tape. I'm just trusting the tape. You know, there's a lot of noise out there, right? And I feel like a lot of that noise brings a lot of people to to a consensus, right? And I've fallen victim to it too, like kind of second-guessing myself sometimes on these rankings. But if I just eliminate all that and just go by what I see, green checks every box for me as, as a guard prospect in particular. And so, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. In three years, I, I think he could definitely be on this list. Yeah, I, I definitely like Kenyon Green. I definitely can see him getting drafted ahead of the guy I will choose, which would be Zion. I think wherever he does end up, it's probably going to be a better situation than Kenyon. I see Kenyon going, you know, middle of the first, end of, or somewhere around pick 20, something like that. So I like Zion. I think he's a really smart dude. Um, you know, I think he tested very well. Looks re- really good at, uh, at Boston. Um, Zion's my guy. And honestly, low-key, I'm hoping that he – he ends up in the uh, the top of the second round for me. Yeah, I think I think uh, Zion has a good mix to your point, Bobby, of like production, but also scored very highly on like with his athletics at the combine. And I I do like that at the end of the first round. I'm not saying more than Kenyon, but I I think it's like close. I think it's definitely close. I think those were really good picks. Um, but okay, we're running short, so I'm going to go jump to running backs, which is the next weighted on our list. Uh, Similar to the wide receiver conversation, you're going to look at this list and you're going to say, okay, it's very close to the guys that I know from traditional fantasy because of the same reason. It's the running back position is very heavily weighted towards what you do with the ball in your hands. It's very important to show production and that production gets very heavily put into your grades. So that's why you're seeing Jonathan Taylor at the top of this list. That's why you're seeing guys like Jones, Zeke, Mixon, and Najee on this list. I think the other part of it, too, is these are the guys that stayed healthy, right? Like the running back position is one that 
you know, unfortunately, we see guys missing so much time year over year because of devastating knee injuries, ankle injuries, Achilles, things like that, right? These are the guys that kind of survived last year. That's why they're here. I think that there's a lot of um, – there's going to be a lot of change because that's something you can't really measure. It's an instability. You know, Christian McCaffrey, unfortunately, two years in a row got hit with that. Uh, but if he's healthy this year, I absolutely think he's somebody that would be the, at the top of this list. There's that cliche in the NFL, right? And and it's true in all 22 also. There's the best of, best ability is availability. Um, and I think you've seen it in every single list we've went through so far, especially running backs. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly right. It, it, it's a game of attrition, really. Um, you know, obviously, <laughs> I want the guy running behind Quentin Nelson, um, you know, because offensive line and situation definitely plays a part. But it really is about staying healthy and having the opportunity to make things happen. Um, and just because you're staying healthy and getting the ball a lot doesn't mean you you have the opportunity to make things happen, right? Um you know, like if Saquon, you know, again, just kind of throwing him out there, given that offensive situation. And yeah, he was a year coming back from a major injury. So that factors in as well. But uh, I think when you look at running backs, you, you kind of have to look at it like you normally do in, in traditional fantasy if you're used to that, right? Yes, they need the opportunity. They need a good situation. Uh, and they definitely need, you know, the ball in their hand to, you know, to make things happen. Um, but it's not strictly all about either. I think Saquon's a good example of somebody that we saw have production, but his grade actually suffered because he didn't do the little things well. And he, there were times where he was asked to be to be the guy in pass pro to stay in the backfield with Daniel Jones and protect him and pick up blitzers, and he struggled mightily with that, and it did affect his grade. So it's, I, I don't want to just blow that out the window and say it's not important because we actually saw guys with production with grades like in the 70s because of that. Yeah, I think I think one that was pointed out, I think it was Ian Ian Harditz at uh, PFF pointed out that the only reason that um, you know Najee Harris is considered more valuable is because he gets more 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 valuable than Javante Williams is because he gets more volume. And we saw in, in in our game that yes, Najee Harris is on this list because he was available all season long, but per game Javante graded higher or scored higher in all twenty two than Najee Harris did because he was doing those things that you're not really seeing um, immediately, like pass protection. Um, he's a good, good guy in the, in, 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 the, in the pass game. So, yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, volume and, and t- typical fantasy, fantasy has such a huge impact. But here, you know, you really, really can find the, the better player. Yeah, and I think one other thing I would point out is that for the running back position specifically, think short term. Like I would say try to focus on the next two to three years when you're drafting the running back position. If you're going to draft a guy like a Kenneth Walker from this draft and just be, just because he's young and you think that like he's going to be the best guy, you really don't know what's going to happen with the running back position. I would personally, I would take a guy that I know has, you know, stayed healthy in the NFL for, you know, one, two, three years. And even if he's, you know, three years older than uh, Kenneth Walker, like I might still prefer him if I know that he has that production, what do you, what would, what strategy would you guys take? Yeah. I mean, go ahead, Ray. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not especially high on the rookie running backs going into the league in this class. If, if I can get a younger guy who's shown something, right. I think we're seeing it in, in all formats really with Javante Williams, for example, really skyrocketing up the board. But if I see a young player who's got a couple of years left on his deal, that is, that is slated to get more work. I definitely want that guy. Um, Cause I know he's going to get the opportunity. Um, you know, he's going to be the focal point of an offense and it is something where I'm secure for two or three years. Um, you know, if anything beyond that, it's running back to young man's game, really. Um, sure, if I can get a vet to, to, to couple with that, I'm, I'm all for it. But um, it's a young man's game. It is a game of attrition, so I don't want anything with too much miles on it. Um, so looking at, you know, second-year guys um, like a Javante or even, even third-year guys, just younger guys at the position that I, I'm, I'm confident that they're going to get a good amount of volume in the next two or three years, that's, that's really all I'm looking for. Anything beyond that, you're, you're getting a little greedy. Yeah, 
I, I kind of agree with you, Ray. I mean, look, look at that list too, and consider the um, the commitment that each of those teams made to those players, right? Some a few of those guys are first, second round picks. Aaron Jones given a huge contract, so I think that volume also is contingent upon the type of investment that the team made in that running back, right? So if you see a guy like like remember Philip Lindsay, how good he was with the Broncos, but he was an undrafted free agent and kind of got tossed to the side when they started to get, you know, and they brought in a guy like Melvin Gordon. Um, so, yeah, I think I think looking at the commitment that each of those teams are making, I think that's a, a clear indicator of how much volume those, uh, those players are going to get. So I look at that, and then I also look at, yeah, it's one thing to, to be, a good, be, a, be a good runner, but I also want guys that are going to get a good receiving grade. I think that's, that's pretty big for me and the, and the, um, the players that I take. Sure. And I think that's why you see Aaron Jones and Najee Harris at the top of, top of this list because they really exceeded at that. Exactly. And Zeke, and, and in my opinion, Zeke's one of the best running backs in the league for blitz pickup. So I think you, you see that there too. Mm-hmm. I th- Zeke and Aaron Jones are two names that I was kind of speaking about before. Like there's a reason they're on this list. Like, yes, they got paid. Yes, they got the investment. So they're going to continue to get the opportunities if they stay healthy. I think both of them are in a good situation now where they're, ha- they're being spelled with younger backs, but they're still the primary focus. So hopefully with less wear and tear by splitting carries, you're going to see them continue to have success and stay healthy. So those are guys that I would still personally invest in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, jumping to tight end. So tight end is really interesting to me because we've done some, we've done some research on our side. We actually like ran an experiment. We said if you gave every team an all-22 score. So, for example, if I said, tell me how every single Packer player performed in week one, give me their all-22 grade, and then add it up against their opponent, like we very accurately predicted wins and losses in the NFL. It was, it was a really fun exercise. We did the same thing and then said, okay, if you tell me who are the top scorers at each position, like we're showing you now, like which teams had the most players at each of these positions? And the teams that had the most players at invaluable positions, and I don't want to say invaluable, but less valuable positions, those were the teams that were the Atlanta Falcons, the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys. Those were the teams that they have a lot of like, stars. They have a lot of guys that you know their names, but they didn't have a lot of on-field success, which I think is pretty interesting. But tight end is the reason I bring this the, the reason I bring this up when we're talking about tight ends is because they are becoming kind of like receivers, right? Like Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey might be better receivers than some of the receivers on our top 5 list. So, do we see this do we see that trend continue like if if would you invest heavily in a tight end now? like a Kyle Pitts, or do you think that that's maybe not the best investment? Yeah, I don't think that's the best investment. Um, I kind of I kind of get like a mixed bag of, of tight ends. That's usually my strategy to go through it because they are one of the lower-valued positions. Um, however, if a guy like Kyle Pitts keeps falling, passes ADP, yeah, maybe I, maybe I look at him um, just because – it's not the deepest position, to, and it's and, and it seems to be a really tough position to grade well in because you're being asked to do so many things. Like Chris, I know you and I have that theory of the the 27 year old tight ends, right? It takes a long time to get good at tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 probably looking for guys that are kind of in that range of of, of age and uh, just getting a few of them and seeing what I can do. Yeah, and the really good ones seem to last a bit longer into their 30s too, right? Um, like a Kelsey, you see, you know, Waller's getting up there and, and he's still very productive. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think same thing. I'm not, I'm definitely not reaching. If I find myself uh, in a spot in my startup draft, for example, and I don't really love what's there on the board at some of these other positions, and I do see a, a tight end I like as a player that's probably when I'm taking him. I'm not exactly pigeonholing myself into uh, a certain area of the draft, you know, round 16 or something where I feel like I need to take a tight end. Um, I'm just kind of letting my board fall to me. And then if, if I find myself in a spot where I feel like I'm reaching elsewhere, then maybe I start to take a look at tight ends and see if there's someone I like there that, that fits that bill. And then I make that pick. Okay. So something that we talk about pretty consistently, and we talked about last episode 
is if the NFL does something, we're going to try to replicate it as best, best as we can. What the NFL does is if you're able to hit on draft picks later in the draft that turn out to be successful picks and starters on your team, that's a huge influence on your team's success. The reason I'm pointing that out now is because that's exactly what the Chiefs were able to do twice last year. And Creed Humphrey is the only rookie that finished number one on any of our lists. So, like, I don't know if we want to, like, slow clap or, you know, stand up and, like, salute, but, like, serious shout-out to Creed Humphrey. That, that was, like, that was amazing. Yeah, I'm super jealous. <laughs> it was sick. Um, not many centers do you turn on the game and you, like, you kind of focus it on the center, but, like, yeah, Creed Humphrey's fun to watch. Shout-out to everybody who, who missed on him because they were freaked out by him snapping lefty. And just throwing everybody <laughs> for a loop. <laughs> I have like because my he, hand size thing with receivers. Is that like one of your things, Ray? You like won't draft a lefty center? Definitely a lefty quarterback. Um, lefty center was just weird. It just just looked funny. So I was like, it almost made him look not as athletic as he actually was on his tape. <laughs> but then, but then you realize, oh gosh, this guy checked every single box, and and the Chiefs got a steal here, and he proved that right out of the gate. So when are you making an investment in a guy like Creed? So we talk about, again, going back to a conversation from last week, positions that will increase in value over time, right? And I feel like right now centers have a pretty low positional value because there's not that many good ones that are worthy of the contract, right? You see them kind of grading pretty low year over year. Now that we have guys like Creed, Corey Lindsley's finding his own. I think the guy in, in uh, Green Bay, uh, Josh Myers, I feel like I could totally see him in this conversation next year mm-hmm. when they have a guy like Linderbaum. Now I'm starting to see now, – now I think we'll start to see these guys get paid and that positional value start to spike. Easily see them going in the mid-threes in the next few years here. So I don't think it's far-fetched to draft your, your center around the time that you're drafting your tight end, probably in those rounds. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a, a much more valuable position in the next few years. So, so in our very first league, our inaugural league, right? I, I invested in Frank, Frank Ragnow and it was great. Um, loved every second of it. I think in a startup, I'm identifying because I, I do think the, the value of centers is, is, is going to go up. I agree with you there. I do still think it's, it's a little bit of a scarce position as far as top guys are concerned. You know, maybe over the next handful of years, you can name maybe five or six that I'm totally comfortable with as saying those are top guys. Um, so I'm, I'm targeting the guys that I like at that position that I want to invest in. And then as soon as one goes off the board, that's when I start to go, okay, now it's time to, now it's time to put this on my radar, maybe, maybe make a pick there. Um, so that, that's that's one way to go about addressing the position since it is a little scarce, not the most highly valued right now, but we anticipate it could go up in, in the coming years. So if you want to make a long-term investment there without reaching uh, for your guy in the startup draft, that might be one way to play it. So you're saying you wait until somebody picks one to pick yours? If I've got three that I like and they're all in the same tier, yeah, for sure. If I have one guy alone in his own tier, no, of course not. I don't want someone to take him. But if I've got three guys in my top tier, right? Say it's a Creed, a Ragnow, and then maybe I don't know, Linderbaum is is a stud and, and enters that list. Bobby, if when I have we're them editing, all evenly weighted, I'm taking one. When we're editing this, just put like a sheep just right on Ray's screen, just so that people yeah. like know that there's a sheep among us. Yeah, no problem. You don't want to Follow miss out. Leader, I'm, right, I'm right. giving you security here. I'm giving you security. If they're even on your board, if the tags are touching, don't reach for one. Honestly, before, before I get depth at other positions, I'm probably going and getting my center to fill that that starting role. Maybe maybe quarterback's a little bit different, but yeah, before I go and get depth, I'm I'm getting uh I'm getting my center. My strategy: make sure you don't miss the run on centers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, I mean, if you wait and then it's like the pick after yours, and three your top three centers go back to back to back because there are sheep in your league, then. I, I don't believe in that strategy. Everybody just disregard okay. that All one. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's not going to make it in the, in the draft guide that comes out in a couple of weeks. That's BS. Okay. Yeah. Jalen Hurst guy telling me it was not going to make the draft guy. Okay. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence guy. You know? 
All right. And then, you know, the, uh, our users aren't going to be doing rookie drafts this year, but uh, next year, I think they're going to have so much fun with that excitement of, am I going to be able to get, like, do what the Chiefs did and get a Creed Humphrey in the fourth, fifth round, who ends up being the best center in the league. So that was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to our users having that experience. Yeah, rookie drafts are fun. Startup draft is a lot of fun. Get sniped left and right. It's uh, it's definitely a fun experience. Three hours go by like nothing if you do it all in one sitting. Um, but the rookie drafts are really cool too because everybody's relevant. Everybody's relevant. You can talk about Kenyon Green, Zion, those guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We didn't get to him in the O-line discussion, but one of our rookie drafts, right, I was able to get uh, Trey Smith late. And when you hit on a pick like that in your rookie draft, kind of like we're talking about here with Senator, it goes a long way to team building, and it feels good. feels good. Cool. Guys, well, we did it. We went through all of the offensive positions. Any last words? No, that's it. I can't wait to clip up what Ray's horrible takes and, and put that on TikTok. Another week closer to the draft. Staying above the noise here. Um, yeah, so one week closer. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week for more. Yeah, I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Look at me now.